Section twenty five of Nyan Riley's Wit and Humor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Nyan Riley's Wit and Humor. Section twenty five. Healthy, but out of the race. In an interview which I have just had with myself, I have positively stated and now repeat that neither at the St. Louis nor Chicago Convention will my name be presented as a candidate. But my health is bully. We are upon the threshold of a most bitter and acrimonious fight. Great wisdom and foresight are needed at this hour, and the true patriot will forget himself in his own interests in his great yearning for the good of his common country and the success of his party. What we need at this time is a leader whose name will not be presented at the convention, but whose health is good. No one has a fuller or better conception of the great duties of the hour than I. How clearly to my mind are the duties of the American citizen outlined today. I have never seen with clearer, keener vision the great needs of my country and my pores have never been more open. Four years ago I was in some doubt relative to certain important questions which now are clearly and satisfactorily settled in my mind. I hesitated then where now I am fully established, and my tongue was coated in the morning when I arose, whereas now I bound lightly from bed, kick out a window, climb to the roof by means of the fire escape, and there rehearse speeches which I will make this fall, in case it should be discovered at either of the conventions, that my name alone can heal the rupture in the party, and prevent its works from falling out. I think my voice is better also than it was either four, eight, twelve, or sixteen years ago, and it does not tire me so much to think of things to say from the tailgate of a train as it did when I first began to refrain from presenting my name to conventions. According to my notion, our candidate should be a plain man, a magnetic but hairless patriot, who should be suddenly thought of by a majority of the convention and nominated by acclamation. He should not be a hidebound politician but on the contrary he should be greatly startled, while down cellar sprouting potatoes, to learn that he has been nominated. That's the kind of man who always surprises everybody with his sagacity when an emergency arises. In going down my cellar stairs the committee will do well to avoid stepping on a large and venomous dog who sleeps on the top stair. Or I will tie him in the barn if I can be informed when I am liable to be startled. I have always thought that the neatest method of calling a man to public life was the one adopted some years since in the case of Cincinnatus. He was one day breaking a pair of nervous red steers in the north field. It was a hot day in July, and he was trying to summer fallow a piece of ground where the jimson weeds grew seven feet high. The plough would not scour, and the steers had turned the yoke twice on him. Cincinnatus had hung his toga on a tamarack pole to strike a furrow by and hadn't succeeded in getting the plough in more than twice in going across. Dressing as he did in the Roman costume of 458 B.C., the blackberry vines had scratched his massive legs till they were a sight to behold. He had scourged old Bright and twisted the tail of Bolly till he was sick at heart. All through the long afternoon, wearing a hot, rusty helmet with rabbit-skin ear-tabs, he had toiled on when suddenly a majority of the Roman voters climbed over the fence and asked him to become dictator in place of Spurius Melius. Putting on his toga and buckling an old hame strap around his loins, he said, Gentlemen, 
if you will wait till i go to the house and get some vaseline on my limbs i will do your dictating for you as low as you have ever had it done he then left his team standing in the furrow while he served his country in an official capacity for a little over twenty-nine years after which he went back and resumed his farming though two thousand three hundred years have since passed away and historians have been busy with that epoch ever since no one has yet discovered the methods by which Cincinnatus organized and executed this, the most successful people's movement of which we are informed. The great trouble with the modern boom is that it is too precocious. It knows more before it gets its clothes on than the nurse, the physician, and its parents. It then dies before the sap starts in the maple forests. My object in writing this letter is largely to tone down and keep in check any popular movement in my behalf until the weather is more settled. A season cracked boom is a thing I despise. I enclose my picture, however, which shows that I am so healthy that it keeps me awake nights. I go about the house singing all the time and playing pranks on my grandparents. My eye dances with ill-concealed merriment and my conversation is just as sparkling as it can be. I believe that during this campaign we should lay aside politics so far as possible, and unite on an unknown, homely, but sparkling man. Let us lay aside all race prejudices and old party feeling and elect a magnetic chump who does not look so very well, but who feels first-rate. Towards the middle of June I shall go away to an obscure place where I cannot be reached. My mail will be forwarded to me by a gentleman who knows how I feel in relation to the wants and needs of the country. To those who have prospered during the past twenty years, let me say they owe it to the perpetuation of the principles and institutions towards the establishment and maintenance of which I have given the best energies of my life. To those who have been unfortunate, let me say frankly that they owe it to themselves. I have never had less malaria or despondency in my system than I have this spring. My cheeks have a delicate bloom on them like a russet apple, and my step is light and elastic. In the morning I arise from my couch, and touching a concealed spring it becomes an upright piano. I then bathe in a low divan which contains a jointed tank. I then sing until interfered with by property owners and taxpayers who reside nearby. After a light breakfast of calves liver and custard pie I go into the reception room and wait for people to come and feel my pulse. In the afternoon I lie down on a lounge for two or three hours, wondering in what way I can endear myself to the laboring man. I then dine heartily at my club. In the evening I go to see the amateurs play Pygmalion and Galatea. As I remain till the play is over, anyone can see that I am a very robust man. After I get home I write two or three thousand words in my diary. I then insert myself into the bosom of my piano and sleep having first removed my clothes and ironed my trousers for future reference. In closing, let me urge one and all to renewed effort. The prospects for a speedy and unqualified victory at the polls were never more roseate. Let us select a man upon whom we can all unite, a man who has no venom in him, a man who has successfully defied and trampled on the infamous Interstate Commerce Act, a man who though in the full flush and pride and bloom and fluff of life's meridian, still disdains to present his name to the convention. End of section 25. Recording by Philip Gould.